Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, welcome to Gary Border Red. It's that time of the year where we preview the season ahead for Nottingham Forest and give you our predictions for what's to come. We'll also discuss a bit of transfer news and chat about off-field issues like ticket prices and sponsorship. Uh, joining me to discuss all that, first of all, is... Uh, well, we've got all the regulars, in fact. Uh, first of all, is Greg Mitchell. Greg, how are you? Good, thank you. Yeah, ready to go. Excited for this one. Yes, as always, we'll save your predictions till last, I think, because they're the ones, they're, they're the only reason people are watching this, let's be honest. Uh, second guest, making her predictions debut is Emily Anderson. Emily, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Nice to see you. You okay, Matt? I'm all right. Everyone's been kept entertained today by the tale of my dishwasher delivery. So, uh, but yeah, is it all sorted? I hope so. It's in. If it doesn't leak and yeah, if it works, then I'm happy. And if my wife's happy, that's all good. Uh, third guest is Michael Temple. Temps, how are you? I'm just here to laugh at Greg. I remember two Decembers ago when he told his wife we didn't get promoted. We were 24 <laughs> at the time. So yeah, he's he's got that thread of credibility. It's going to evaporate today. Well, he lost some chips last year, didn't he? Saying we'll finish ninth. So we'll see where he says we're going to finish uh, this coming season. And finally, Mikey Clark. Mikey, are you well? All right. Yeah, I'm good. I'm here to uh, offer some realism as opposed to uh, some of the stuff Greg's saying. That cup you were drinking out of, Matt, is that clean now then? Now that the dishwasher's up and running? Just double no, check. It's not. <laughs> I don't think it is. <laughs> That's a picture of my daughter. Not that people need to know that, but that was my birthday present <laughs> from her, a picture of her on a mug. So thanks for that. <laughs> it's very kind of her. Right. Um, oh, I should say, it's so hard to get everyone together to do this. So we're having to record it pre-Frankfurt. Well, Greg is in Frankfurt. Uh, so, yeah, we did joke that you're going to get arrested while you're out there. So when this comes out, hopefully you're not sat in a jail cell. <laughs> Everything's gone well for Forrest. Uh, but I don't think the result will sway how we're predicting things too much either way. So um, let's see how it goes against Frankfurt anyway. But just a disclaimer there. Right, um bit of transfer news before we start. And we won't linger on it too long because it might be dated. But just in general around the goalkeeping situation for us, a bid for Matt Turner from Arsenal. Uh, Temps, one who's in our FPL WhatsApp group, Mikey, and another guy. And they both had the same thing, that he was pretty solid last year when he got his limited games in Europe. So... Uh, it's a very small kind of sample size to view it and judge him for us. So I think we have to trust Forest recruitment team on it. The other name that's linked as we record this, and we can talk in general about centre-halves, is even as um, at Roma, it would be a big money signing, Brazil international. What do you think, Emily, about the principle of bringing in either him or, or a centre-half for a big sum? Is it Do we need that now? When I first saw that he was a centre-half, I thought, well, would that's not a position we actually need to fulfil, but I think he's played in quite a few different positions, hasn't he, at the back? He's obviously one of Mourinho's boys at Roma. He won the Conference League with them. He was a finalist in the Europa League. Um, he can score goals as well, um, which we've seen. 
Tottenham, I think, was sniffing around earlier in the transfer window as well as, as a potential, which which is, I guess, good news. Um, the only sticking point with him is apparently he's got quite a bad disciplinary record. So he's picked up an awful lot of yellow cards, got sent off last season, and also has been blamed by some of the Roma fans for making those howling mistakes that, that we don't want to see um, in a Forest shirt. So that slightly worries me. The Roma fans have said he's either brilliant or he's terrible. Um, but again, you've got to trust the process. If, if Steve and his team think that he's someone that we need, then I'm all for it. And especially hearing about Felipe's injury yesterday as well. Um, throughout the pre-season, I've said, it's fine, we've not got Felipe back in yet, it's fine. And now that we know that we're probably not going to start with him, maybe we do need someone like him um, in the starting lineup. And I think as far as, just to mention, as far as Henderson goes, having watched the pre-season games, for me, that is the position we desperately need to fill. So I think we've just got to stop putting all our eggs in the Henderson basket because it might not happen. We need someone. Some of the mistakes that were made by our current goalkeepers, we're going to get slaughtered in the Premier League if we go in like that. And we cannot go to the Emirates without a recognised Premier League goalkeeper. And it, it does worry me, but I'm I'm hopeful that we can get get either Matt Turner or Henderson or, or whoever else done before we go to the Emirates. At every single position, I think that's the one we've just got to sort out. Yeah, we might well end up with both. I think it's kind of up in the air. It's a bit up in the air for how long Felipe's out for as well. I think we'll hear from Steve Cooper either over the weekend or obviously next week before discussing the Arsenal game. What about where the money's going for you, Greg? The way it, the way we're reading it now is they're focusing on the you know, the defensive end of the pitch rather than the attacking end. Is that something you're on board with? Or do you feel like we actually need another forward or another attacking player as well? Oh, yeah, we we certainly need other areas. But I'm all for it because it means we're hopefully not planning on losing any of the attacking threat, which is still the biggest worry for me. Uh, it worries me that we're looking for a centre-back with how much do we know about the injuries of our main centre-backs you've got. Obviously, McKenna looks like he's getting match fit again now. Um, Felipe, we just don't know. We keep hearing the odds thing, but you haven't got a clue. He doesn't seem to train a lot anyway when he is fit, uh, talking to other clubs. So maybe maybe there's not as much in that. But uh, yeah, if, if near Carte as well, he's going to be out for the first few weeks. So it's critical that we've got that centre-back centre back three uh, and a good quality because the way these away games are coming up, uh, they're going to be very, very busy, aren't they? Uh, but the thing is, you just can't you can't talk too much about all this because by the time it goes out, we've probably got you know, signed Samba in goal and we've got a centre back none of us have heard of, and it's all change again. So I like how not a lot's coming out of the club at the minute. We used to always know who we were signing days, weeks in advance, and it seems quite uh, tight at the minute, which I'm all for. True. This whole thing might get edited out on Monday morning before I put this out. <laughs> this whole section. <laughs> but we just spent about five minutes talking about it. Um, let's move on to our predictions then. Uh, who shall I kick off with? Uh, Emily, we should go with you as you're uh, the newest to doing this. as Now you're a regular on the, on the podcast. So I've asked everyone, um, where will Forrest finish? Who will be player of the year? Will Steve Cooper still be manager at the end of the season? our top four and our teams be relegated. So we'll just go through that for each of us and it'll probably bounce around into a few talking points, starting with Emily's predictions. Um, I'll read them out for people who are listening, not watching on YouTube. So Forrester finished 14th, player of the season, Danilo. Steve Cooper will be manager come this time next year, Emily says. 
Top four, Man City, Man United, Arsenal and Chelsea. Relegated, Luton, Bournemouth and Everton. Um, just talk us through, Emily, why you think Forest are going to finish 14th. Well, I think that we start this season in a better uh, position than we did last season, obviously. So looking at it that way, we finished 16th, so surely we must finish better. I also think there are far worse teams below us, particularly with the teams that have come up that potentially could finish below us. I'll talk more about the relegation battle in a minute. But for me, teams like the ones that have been promoted, plus Bournemouth, Everton and potentially a couple more, means that we could hopefully get a solid 14. And although, you know, in, in, in my, the romantic side of me, would love it if we could get a top 10 finish. But realistically, I would be delighted with a 14th place position. Um, I won't ask everyone about all of them because we'll be here for the whole hour, but I'll pick out a couple of them. Um, you, you think Cooper will still be here next year? Is that a heart over a head thing or not? Possibly, possibly. I couldn't, I couldn't, even if I really thought it, I could never write no. <laughs> I've got to write yes because I'm a Forest fan. And if Cooper's here at, in May 2024, I'll be delighted, like a lot of other people, hopefully. Um, I very much hope he will be here at the end of May 2024. And I cannot say otherwise because it's, I just can't. I just can't. But if he is here this time next year, it means you've had a good season. It does. Because... It means I think it means that we've, we've finished at least 14th if he's still here at the end of the, uh, next season. Because Maranakis said at the end of last season... Um, that he's got his sights set on trophies. So um, hopefully Cooper can live up to the owner's expectations and he'll be still be here and we'll be looking into his uh, third season in the Premier League with us. And I'll ask you about one of the relegated teams before we move on to someone else. I think yours are a bit different without giving any spoilers away. You think this is Everton's year then? I do. And they have been on the precipice of going down for the last few years and they've just seem to have wheedled their way out of it at the end of every season. And it's nothing personal. I've got nothing against Everton at all. And I really like Sean Dyche, actually. But um, I just think it's their year. They haven't really strengthened. They weren't great last year. Dyche just got them playing quite aggressive football, but there wasn't any flow. When we saw them at the city ground, they bullied their way to get a draw with us. And we should have absolutely slaughtered them home and away. Um so I think it's their turn to go out of the, uh, you know, like the big established Premier League clubs. Aren't they the only Premier League clubs who have never been relegated? One of the only, like, in, in that sort of bottom half? I don't think they've ever been relegated. Yeah, well, outside never... the obvious big oh, ones. Outside yeah. the obvious top six, yeah. No, I think you're right. They've never been relegated out of the top league no. in their mm. history. Yeah, yeah think... like even Man U and uh, you know, mm. Arsenal have been relegated historically. You know, Before football yeah, began right. in 1992, yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, let's move on to uh, Temps, I think. Right, it's Temps' predictions, and I'll read them out again uh, before picking his brains about them for those who are listening or watching. Forest finished 15th. Player of the season, also Danilo. Uh, Will Cooper still be here? Yes. Top four, Man City, Arsenal, Man United, Liverpool, relegated Wolves, Sheffield United and Luton. I think you said 15th last season, Temps. Is that a sign of failure if we finish 15th again? Yeah, well, look, finishing 15th in the Premier League last year would have been uh, easier than, than previous years. So 40 points would have got you 14th um, last year. It would have been 45 would have been the threshold for that in the 21-22 season. So uh, a lot of this depends on how compact the relegation battle, how compact the top 10 battle is. But I think that would reflect excellent improvement. I agree with Emily completely. So much more improvement to come 
from Danilo, has the benefit of knowing the system, knowing his teammates and not coming off the back of a 55-game Brazilian season before getting stuck into the Premier League. Uh, Morgan gives what is my other thought in that space, but I, I just think Danilo has it within him to contribute defensively in games uh, in, a, in a different manner to, to Morgan Gibbs-White. I'm backing Steve Cooper to say, just because he's disproved everybody now, two years on the bounce, and no one can tell me that he's not a better manager than the one that walked through the door replacing Chris Hooten. Top four, inked in for me at the top. Man City will win at a canter. Arsenal's um, attempt at usurping them last year came unstuck quite spectacularly towards the end. And I see them regressing. Man United and Liverpool, I'm, I'm back in to uh, complete the top four. I think Wolves have a lot to fear from the remainder of the transfer window. We've seen that they're trying to balance the books. They've lost some key players, not too much coming in the, in the other direction. Chef United have been unable to invest. And I think Luton could well trouble Derby for that. Um, Monica of being the worst ever Premier League team. They've done nothing like the business you need to do to survive in the Premier League. Um, I follow. I frame that question poorly because I suggested for finished fifteenth last season. I finished sixteenth, but yeah, um, I know. I know what I meant at least. <laughs> Let me ask a follow up about Danilo. Do you see him playing this box to box role all season, or will he drop deeper, or even play as a ten at, at some points? What do you think? I think the popular money is him having a bit of a deep-lying playmaker role because of his range of passing is, is so much stronger than Ryan Yates. His role seems to have changed into not a classic 10, but certainly being further up the pitch to press and to counter-press and to be a ball winner in the final third so that our, our style, if you like, evolves um, not from nicking the ball deep and trying to spring it to the, the, the pace man out wide, but trying to gain possession in the final third and feed the strikers in a different way. If Ryan Yates is to vacate that um, slightly deep, deeper position, I think Danilo steps in there. Better in transition, better range of passing, has the capability to get forward as well. But I think he will have more of a role to play in, in screening the defence. Uh, is 15th the ceiling for you, by the way? I'll ask everyone this. I'll come back to Emily. Is there, because the, the window hasn't closed, has it yet? Is there a bracket, I should have asked really, between position X and position Y where you think we could finish? Well, low, low 40s was enough for 14th last year because of the way that the, the, the table shapes up. But historically, it hasn't been. Historically, it's been mid 40s to get to that position and early mid 50s to break into the top 10. Um, so, yeah, I, I think an improvement of five to six points this year would represent big success. If we can improve by seven points or more, it would be a big surprise to everybody. Is that similar for you, Emily? I should throw it back to you. You said four. I think you said 14. So, but yeah, again, is there a bracket? Yeah, it's kind of 12 to 16th for me. Um, mm. I wouldn't want the, um, the stress of um, 16th, obviously, but... Um, it, it would be nice to think we could get as high as 12th, but I, I don't know if we're quite there yet this season. But again, I keep going on about this, but look at where we were last year to how we are this year. We only won one away game last year. Surely we can improve on that this time round. Um, and I know we've lost Loddy and we've lost a couple of players that were putting in those performances at the end of last season, but the transfer window hasn't closed. We've, as we record this, we've still got another pre-season friendly there's still a bit of time and I think that um, for me, 
I hope we're soon forgotten about as one of those relegation threatened teams. I'd, I'd quite happily just canter on as a Crystal Palace or, you know, in that sort of bracket. And, and I, I think I, I do think we can, if we can keep some stability, keep Steve Cooper, hopefully sort out some of those injuries, work out why players are getting injured, um, improve away form, we, sh- we should be fine. It is tweaks, isn't it? And we know that it's fine margins. Yeah, I mean, actually, I think our obviously our away run is wretched at the start. But I actually think that will help us to win more away games because you kind of get those rough games out of the way before our squad settled. I wrote a piece yesterday, and you guys kind of assisted me on it a bit and gave me some pointers at the end. But but I you know I don't think we can judge. Obviously, we're judging right now where we think we're going to finish. But you can't judge this team and this squad until we played. I think I said the Burnley game, but I might even go to. I think Luton's in like 12 games in or something. I, don't, I, I think it might take that long to judge. You just hope that we get off to a decent start. I mean, so much changes, doesn't it? I mean, look at us when we lost 4-0 at Leicester. We were all doomed. And, mm. you know, things change so quickly. And no one's given us a hope against those away games of Man City, Man United, uh, Chelsea, Arsenal. So actually, let's see what we can get out of it. I remember on this podcast before the Arsenal at home, I predicted Forest would win and I got scoffed at. And, and look what happened. So, you know, you, you never know with the Premier League. You never know. But I know that Arsenal go in very confident on day one. But why shouldn't we? Emily, I just urge for a bit of calm as well, because the signings will come. There's absolutely no question that Forrest will recruit players between now and the end of the window. There's one date in August that matters for me, and that's Sheffield United on the 18th of August, because that's a game we have to win. There's no expectation from those early season away games. And by a quirk of where the, the, the fixtures lie, we then don't play the City Ground again until the 18th of September, I think, against Burnley. That's the point at which we judge the recruitment, the players that have been retained, the new signings and Steve Cooper. Until then, there's a, a bit of hysteria, a bit of negativity about. We have had frustrations in the transfer window. We can't spend freely because of the framework in which our club and our owner need to operate. But just bear that in mind. Beating Sheffield United, absolutely, vitally important. Getting to the Burnley game with a squad that compete, vitally important. Don't be disappointed. Don't be dragged into a, a doom spiral by what's happening or not happening at this point in the transfer window. I couldn't yeah, agree more. Exactly, exactly. Right, let's move on to Mikey then. And once again, I'll read them out and then throw some at Mikey. Uh, right, Forrest finished 16th. Player of the season, Morgan Gibbs-White. Cooper to be manager, no. Top four, Man City, Arsenal, Man United, and Newcastle. And relegated also Luton, Sheffield United and Wolves. Um, just give us your general thoughts on 16th, Mikey, then, for this season. Yeah, it, it probably doesn't sound too ambitious, does it, seeing as we finished 16th last season. However, I put a bit of thought into this with the teams coming up as well. And, and I just think the dynamic of the league will be slightly different this year. So I think Temps and, and Emily both alluded to the fact that Luton and Sheffield United, their squads on paper at the moment look really weak in comparison with the teams they have to compete against. So unless some significant strengthening goes on with those guys, um, I don't think you're going to get what you got last season. I I, I genuinely think one, if not both of those guys, will be rooted to the bottom of the league. And if I'm right, and Luton and Sheffield are really struggling, 8, 10, 12 points behind, what you're going to get then is a group of teams, maybe five, six, maybe seven teams that are all in within a sort of four to six points range. And I believe we'll be one of them. 
So that includes teams like Bournemouth, Fulham, Wolves, Everton, as Emily touched on, uh, obviously yours. So my 16th prediction on the face of it doesn't look, you know, ambitious, but I, I just think the makeup of the league will, will will prove that to be to be true by the end of it. I, I genuinely think we'll get more points though. You know, Temps was talking around what 40 points gets you, what 45 points gets you. I do believe we'll get more points, but I don't necessarily think that will translate to a higher finish going on what I've just said. So I think we'll finish where we are, where we sort of finished last season, 16th. <clears throat> and I guess you probably want me to talk about the fact I've said no to Cooper yeah, to be that, manager. That was going to be your follow-up, yeah. Yeah, I get the feeling I might be the only one saying this. And the reason why is, is, is basically just what I've said. You know, there's a, a great deal of ambition at, at Forest, as, the, as there is with, you know, many Premier League clubs. And I just feel that in periods of struggle, and we may struggle at the start of the season, and we may skirt around between 18th and 14th, I just feel that the trigger might get pulled at some stage. I don't know when that is. But I'm not sure that a 16th place finish will be deemed a success by the guys um, at the top. In fact, I know it won't. So it is with a heavy heart me saying this. And let's hope I'm completely and utterly wrong. And we, we do push, push up to mid-table and Cooper's back to maybe he signs a new deal because I think he's got a year to run after this. But I guess, I guess my head is telling me that it might be a, another season of struggle, certainly the first half of the season. And, you know, Maranakis and the team have been really, really supportive of Cooper and his team. But I just think there comes a point where 16th, 17th just won't be deemed acceptable. So hopefully I'm completely wrong. That doesn't happen. Um, in terms of the other stuff, Matt, Morgan Gibbs-White is a phenomenal football player. So I I get what the guys are saying about Danilo. Uh, but I just think that Gibbs-White will come into his own and the team is being built around him. So he's the one that's going to get if there is such a thing as a free roll at Forest, he'll get it. You know, he'll come in off the left, he'll play in behind, he'll play up front. They'll get him the ball as often as possible. And when he gets the ball, he makes things happen, which is why I think he'll stand out over that season. And you've got to remember as well, he, he came with a huge price tag. It took him a while, as it did with some of the other signings, to settle in. But by the end of the season, that last third of the season, he was integral in everything we did. And I can just see that after his brilliant under-21 tournament, I can just see that continuing. So he's the main man for us. Mm. Um, we'll do mine next because they're quite similar to yours and then we'll come on to Greg's. So I'll just um, read mine out again. Forest finished 15th player of the season, Morgan gives white, as with Mikey. Also, Cooper's be manager. I say no by the end of the season. Like Mikey, top four, Man City, Arsenal, Man United, Liverpool, relegated, Luton, Sheffield United and Wolves. Uh, that's with Luton 20th, 19th, 18th, I would, I would say. So, my 15th is kind of like the other guys. Uh, I think 15th, but staying up more comfortably, I would hope, because as Mikey said, and the other guys have said, I think Luton and Sheffield United will be cut adrift, probably, without being disrespectful to them. And then Wolves, I mean, we'll talk about how for, fans are viewing Forest pre-season, but their chairman's writing to fans yesterday, appealing for calm, basically. Um, so it's not going well for them. And I mean, as I always say, I'm in a WhatsApp group with Wolves fans and one of them's ready to storm their Boston headquarters in China, I think, uh, the way it's going there. So I would uh, think they'll struggle. On Cooper, I think it's a bit similar. 
we know the owner's ambitious. We know that Cooper was close to being sacked well, more than once last season. And like Mikey says, I, I don't think the finishes we're talking about, they might not be deemed acceptable if they get the transfers they want by the end of this season. So it's kind of a head over a heart thing. Like I said to Emily, if Cooper's still here come May 2024, we've had a good season, probably finished top 10 or something like that. But I think I think that his time might come at some point this season. Like I say, I hope I'm wrong. The fans saved him last year. And I think we might need that again. And that comes on to a point about the fans, which I'll probably throw at Greg. But one of my worries is there'll be a sense of entitlement and the atmosphere will go and fans will think we're a Premier League club. We should be winning games at home. And if we have the same collective attitude that we saw with Fulham and Bournemouth and it's not that red-hot atmosphere, then our home form might dip. And the the fans that saved Cooper last time might not save him this time. That's kind of a worst-case negative scenario. So I'll probably throw it to Greg about stuff like that. But um, the rest of it's kind of self-explanatory and touching. I agree about Mikey about Ward Gibbs-White. I feel the attack is built around him. He's coming off the back of a great Euros. He's the man, and I think he kind of relishes that. And it's silly things like he's got a baby on the way, his home life's really settled and going well, and... All those kind of fringe Ted Lasso kind of. I was just about to say Ted Lasso over here. Were you? Well, yeah, yeah, you know, happy players, United front, all that kind of thing helps. I don't know. But um, yeah, that's me. That's me. Mark, Mark. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Can I add add something quickly? Emily made a great point earlier around the away form. So we took, I think, eight points last season away from home. One win. Terrible, basically. That has to improve and it will improve. So going back to your point, Matt, around our home fortress, it becomes even more um, the, the need for us to keep going as a fan base and keep supporting them and not turn into a soulless ball, which it won't because it just won't, you know, our our home crowd is deemed by the vast majority now to be one of the, if not the best in the Premier League, and it's going to need that again. So, yes, I do think that the away form will improve and we'll get more points, but what we can't do is take the home form for granted. Let's get another 30 points at home. Let's keep roaring the lads on, especially when we go 1-0 down. Because if you think, everybody listening to this and watching this, you just cast your mind back to all those times when we went 1-0 down at home, or it was 1-1 and we were pushing to try and get the winner. It, it makes such a difference, honestly. I think we've all been there in the bad times under Hewton in League One, where the fans were just like, after 20 minutes, just giving up. And the players, they're human beings, they feel that. But when everybody's behind them and pushing them on, it makes such a difference. And you look at the teams that went down, Leicester booing their own team after 20 minutes, Leeds chucking stuff at their own team, booing them, saying you're not fit to wear the shirt. You know, we've got something unique at this club that we're all in it together and, and we, we're absolutely going to need that next season because it is going to be difficult at times, as you guys were saying. So it's just a plea from me. Don't don't let up with the passion and everything because, you know, those first two home games, if we can win them, then we're off to a bit of a flyer. 
there's my positive spin there after the negativity of saying Cooper will be gone. <laughs> yeah, if we do win those first two games, and uh, it qualifies as a successful start for me, certainly. Right, we'll come to Greg, and he might want to expand on fan stuff and all that kind of thing. So I know it's his great passion, but we'll put up his predictions first. Save the best till last. Forrest to finish 10th. Uh, player of the season, Morgan Gibbs White. I can see the people on the screens, they're, they're in thumbnails, and I can see they're staring intently. Emily and Thomas and Mikey watching this. Cooper to be manager, uh, yes, of course. Top four, Man City, Newcastle to finish second, Man United, Liverpool, relegated, Luton, Brentford, and Sheffield United. So I'll pick up on a few points about that, but give us your general thoughts on the season to come, Greg, and why are we going to finish top 10? Well, I don't think I could answer Cooper to be manager yes without giving a prediction of, you know, top half or thereabouts because I do really think that, and this is my genuine opinion now, Cooper's either gone before September or we've got him for the whole season because we've had a good start and we push on. And I think the only way to push on now, I mean, I know I'll get stick for this, I always do, but you ask the owner to put his predictions and I'm sure he'll be putting higher than than me. So, um, yeah, I think the only way Cooper stays is if we have a season that nobody nobody expects. And we're not that far away from it if we go on the end results from last season. The last two months of last season puts us in that kind of position. So that's my, uh, that's my, <laughs> that's my reasoning behind it. No, that's a very reasonable argument. I can see what you're saying. One one answer backs up the other one, certainly. Uh, your follow-up's going to be on Brentford, because I don't think many would have them to go down. I mean, even with the Tony ban, I can't see it. But what, what's your your case there? Um, my case not, for not, Brentford is I, go down. I really dislike them. They do my head in. They'd make a lovely... That'd make a lovely championship ground. After visiting it, I think uh, they'd do great in the championship. Fans would enjoy that. But uh, they're, they're, they're always going to be a club that, you know, buys cheap, sells high. And it's not always going to work. These, these results and predictions and everything, they don't go on XG. Uh, it's real life. Nobody would have expected Leicester to be that team that went down last season. It's not going to be the three that we all think it's going to be. There is going to be a surprise like there is every single season I mean, Brentford will never be too big to go down. Obviously, they're way above where they should be. But, you know, clubs that aren't expected to go down, it does happen. And I think they could easily be one of them. You know, it's mm. not going to make headline news for long if they go down. So uh, they were my surprise for the drop. Mm. Um, and also, I'd just like to say on the Gibbs-White thing as well, I feel that not only will he be player of the season, but he'll start to get regular England caps as well. I think he'll have a really good start, stay fit, start getting within and around that England setup within the squad, and then hopefully get the odd cap. Yeah. Interestingly, I was just ask everyone quickly then: who, if you had to pick a team out to be the overachievers and perhaps the underachievers, if you can think of one, who would they be? Uh, if anyone's got one, Temps is unmuted, so I'll go to Temps. The overachievers are Brighton because they've survived an evolution of the managerial cycle and they've survived players leaving them before. And I think there's, there's still a feeling that with their intensity, their pattern of play, they'll be able to sustain themselves in the, in the top 10 with the crowd, the size of the crowd they've got. So I think they were the overachievers last year and I think they will continue to be the overachievers this year 
because of Deserby's style and his insistence on the, the work rate and the rigid adherence to a, to a plan. Let me know when I can throw a few eggs at Greg because I want to come back at a couple of his predictions. <laughs> I'll just go around the room quickly and then you can throw those eggs, don't worry. Uh, Mikey, any team to over or underachieve for you? Yeah, I've got two. So, um, pretty obvious one, Villa. I think they are a club on the rise, fantastic manager. Um, now in Europe, so they need to deepen the squad. But their recruitment this year has been been excellent, and I expect them to push on. So it depends where where you think they're gonna they're gonna push. But I, I genuinely think they'll push top six even further. I think they're a very very good team. Uh, and here's, here's a strange one for you. I think Bournemouth will go one way or the other. I think they'll either really struggle, or I think they might push the top half. And, and the reason being is their recruitment since January, I think has been excellent and they've also got a very good manager who I believe was one of them that we were sort of sniffing around during the uh, Cooper uncertainty period so I think that I'll either hit the ground running and they'll surprise a lot of people a lot of young quick players that I think have got a very high ceiling or it won't work and they'll drop like a stone so I think that that's one to watch Bournemouth definitely but I think Villa are going to have a really good season. Emily, anyone? Are you a Chelsea down? I saw for top four. Anyone that stands out for you? Is it them? Um, as, as the the overachievers for me, both Brighton and Villa. Um, I've seen a couple of glimpses of Villa in pre-season, and they, I mean, they got a steal with Yuri Tielemans on a free transfer, and apparently, by all accounts, he's setting setting the world on fire. So I think they will be one to watch for. And actually, last season, didn't they start down near the bottom with us? And it, they they were having a terrible time, so they'd be good. I mean, the ultimate underachievers for me is Tottenham. I mean, they should be... Classic. Should be, I mean, it is, isn't it? I mean, every year, and even now they've got Ange Postacoglu, who I, I really respect and admire. I'm like, I don't even know if he could sort them out. They, they will probably lose Harry Kane, we think, don't we? Son did nothing all season. And I disagree with you, Mikey. I think Bournemouth, the Bournemouth bubble, I think, will burst. They, Yes, they had a fantastic season uh, staying up. But I don't know how long they can maintain that for. Yes, they've made decent signings, but I just can't see. I just can't see them continuing that upward trajectory that you think they'll do. I also think Fulham will struggle this year as well, particularly with Mitrovic refusing to play and Willian deciding he wants to go off to Saudi Arabia. Um, so I think they will they will really struggle this year. And just one other, you'll all disagree with me because you've got them all down for relegation, but I think Sheffield United will escape even if it's 17, honestly. Do you really? Have you seen, have you seen their squad? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I have, but they're a bit of a nurse last season. Everyone mm. had to go down last season. And we know from all those years playing Sheffield United, they don't go down without a fight. Oh, I think they'll struggle. Well, that's yeah. fine. We'll talk in that. <laughs> Keep the receipt, Emily. Uh, no, I love the Spurs one. That's uh, it's such a Spursy thing, isn't it? Um, I think even saying Aston Villa, they've signed enough players now for them almost not to be in that overachiever bracket. I still think Newcastle getting top four is overachieving just with how quickly they've risen. Uh, but I mean, in my predictions, I didn't put any any uh, London teams in the top four. So I'll have that as a uh, collective underachievement. Uh, well, I, I, I'm not sure Chelsea will make the top four, but I think they'll bounce back really well. And uh, Pochettino, I really like the way they play, and they've got they've got good players who were injured last season, so I think they'll do well. And Emily mentioned Fulham; I think they're gonna that bubble might burst. 
after one good season. Mitrovic, obviously a big loss. Willian almost came to us by the sound of it, and now he wants to go to Saudi Arabia after signing for them. And there was conjecture about the manager and their main centre-half. Well, one's, one's gone, hasn't he? Um, Toshin, I think it is. I can't remember how you say it. And Tim Ream is like 36. So I just think maybe that bubble's going to burst. And so isn't someone, be... someone sniffing around Polina as well, aren't they? I can't think which club it oh, is. Oh, he's brilliant. He's exactly. the kind of, he's a player we And let's not forget, they, they came up with us last year. Honestly, I think they'll struggle. Uh, let's uh, the clock is ticking. Let's look at the first game of the season against Arsenal. Do Forest Temps have to go there and play? A, I hate the phrase low block because it's come become this kind of horrible phrase that makes it sound like you're ultra defensive. You know, you're trying to score a goal, and I don't think that's necessarily the case. But do you have to go there and play five two two one or a variation of it and be very compact, or do you have a bit of ego and try and go toe to toe with them and make a statement? Depends how many fit centre-halves you've got, because I think that's Forrest's big problem at the minute, isn't it? They're not able to field their best eleven, And while we're bemoaning the lack of signings, the real problem in the early games will be the injuries to the likes of Felipe, potentially, Brennan Johnson, uh, Tyro Awandi, the goalkeeper situation. So I'm certain that we'll have to go to Arsenal and, and earn the right to play. We're not going to go gung-ho. We're trying to get a platform in the game. However, what happened a few times when we got turned over at the start of last season was there was no apparent plan B and we continued to do what we had done to get ourselves into a bit of a mess and it got progressively worse. There are players in that squad now that are a little bit more battle-hardened and should do better than accepting they're going to have a, a low block for 90 minutes and be happy losing 2 or 3-0. So, yes, I would hope to see a little bit more of an evolution of our style and our plan but we're not going to start the season with everything fully formed, are we? The deadline pressure is what's going to get the final signings across the line. And that's going to be too late for Arsenal. So I don't think we're going to see a consistent low block in, in quite the same manner we did in the latter half of last season. There'll be games when it's deployed. Out of necessity, Arsenal will be one of those. But that will evolve as the season, the season unfolds. Yeah, I mean, I want to see... that. Obviously, I want to see us play a bit more expansive football over the course of a season, but I don't think you can in, in this game. Um, my key is, uh, to me, Tywo, I want to use the key to this game because we need that kind of energetic player up front. If we don't have him, who plays up front for you? Good question. If Brennan's fit, it's probably going to be Brennan. If not, then it's probably going to be um, maybe a Langer, I would have thought, or you, you, you drop Gibbs White off. Um what I don't want to say, just going on what, what Temps has said, I think he made a really good point. I'll, I'll try and, in our WhatsApp group the other day, I had a bit of a rant and I'll try and articulate it a little better now than I did then. So what I saw in the friendly the other day when we lost 5-0 is us lose the ball in the final third and then five players sprint back to positions. Some of them pass the ball, head down as fast as they could and then turn around and get back into shape. And I, I hated seeing that. In fact, it wound me up so much. So that suggests to me that we are potentially going to play a bit of a low block in those away games, certainly Arsenal. But you've got to try and win the ball up the field. Otherwise, it's just going to be like an attack on defence training session. And Temps' language around, are you going to accept two or three a nil? It worries me that we will. And I really don't want to see that. So why... I'd, you know, I don't want us to go gung-ho. I don't want us to play three up front like we did at Man City and lose 6-0. None of that. But there has to be a desire to try and win the ball back occasionally 
in the opposition's half. So I suppose those first 20 minutes are going to be difficult, especially if Tarbo's not fit, Matt. So you're going to have to play a makeshift striker up there. But that doesn't necessarily mean that literally from minute one, we need to do what I saw in that pre-season friendly, which was everybody drop back, sprint back as, as quick as you can and just face up and say, come on, then get through us. Because they got through us five times and could have got through us more. So don't want to see any of that. So I'm really interested to see how they get on at Frankfurt and then see what signings come through the door. But if the game was tomorrow, I do fear that they go 5-4-1 and play someone like Elanga up front on his own and we'd lose to Leo 4-0. So that's my worry. And I know that comes across as negative. And there's a lot can change. But I do genuinely think that if we pick up one or two points in those first six away games, it's one or two more than most people are expecting. And that's just my honest view. Yeah, for sure. I think we'll lose the game. I don't think there's any disgrace in that. I just want to see a performance. I mean, the, the template is the kind of the home performance that kept us up against them where there was a pressure in midfield. Um, it was interesting then, Greg, we talk about strikers and Mikey never said Chris Wood, never even <laughs> mentioned him. I mean, is that a sign that we can't play with Wood or would you start him even if he's not mobile particularly? Uh, not on the back of what we've seen pre-season, unfortunately. He's not really uh, set pre-season on fire, which I think he kind of had to to be in within uh, a talking point of a chance, let's say. Um, I think if Tyro's injured, you you look at different ways, maybe. Um, yeah, I don't think Wood's the answer. Certainly not, and certainly not against Arsenal. No, no, I agree, I agree. If Brennan's fit, would you start him, Emily? Even if he's not had any pre-season at all? Yeah, of course you would. Um, I'm still not convinced he'll be with us, but um, say if he is here and he's fit, you could put him up front, couldn't you? Mm. Switch a langer. Um, I'm a bit like Mikey, though, and I didn't think I'd be like Mikey in that respect, because I'm normally a bit more positive. I can't. We cannot go into the new season the way we have in pre-season. I'm a very positive person watching Forest, but watching them get hammered 5-0 the other night. There was no fight. It was negative. Um, there was no cohesion. There was nothing. And I know it is, you know, pre-season is all about fitness. I know that. But that was, it was it was, it was, was terrible, wasn't it? Like I say, if we go into the, the first game against Arsenal like that, it could be embarrassing. What I don't want, and I agree with Temps, is what I don't want is for us to do what we did against Man City and Arsenal last season away, where we end up going gung-ho and then losing 5-0 or 6-0, whichever... Um, game it was um, yeah I, I mean like you say we, we probably will lose the game but let's lose it with some respect hopefully mm. it's a thing for you Temps about that Wren's game or Wren there was fringe players in that game who had an opportunity and there were first team players who, well, who didn't play well is that something you kind of take heart from or worry about that players who should be pushing for a place had a god awful game yeah, I mean, you do enter with some biases, don't you? Chris Wood, for instance, has probably confirmed what we already thought when he jumps up and misses a header from a yard out. There's been flashes from Wang in the Notts County game where he, he took his um, goal with a plum and then he sells Joe all down the river with the worst pass, pass back I've seen in the entire pre-season but yeah it, it is about accountability and it is about you versus the man who's challenging for your shirt when injuries occur it's about you showing the, uh, the gaffer that come match day you can perform and deserve more of a chance and there aren't too many players that have set the world alight 
All will be forgiven for me, as I said, if they beat Sheffield United on the 18th of August. I'd urge patience and caution until then. But whatever's said via the PR machine and the post-match quotes, Steve Cooper and the, and the squad will not be happy with the results of pre-season. Of course, results aren't the be-all and end-all, but you want to see a progression. We've seen some poor performances. We've seen a lack of research, maybe a lack of respect for some of the opposition where you've got a one-man wall against a set-piece specialist who's just stanched it straight through your international keeper. So, yeah, disappointing pre-season. That won't be lost um, upon the forest hierarchy. But all of those results will be instantly forgotten if we nick a point at Arsenal and get all three against Sheffield United. Mm. And, of course, this could be the ultimate S-house from Steve Cooper, couldn't it? You know, like he does with, um, with injuries. Maybe he's just saying, you know... You know, the one-man wall, the bang mistake and all that. He's just lulling Arsenal into a false sense of security. Don't think that would wash with the owners, Emily. No, 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 no maybe not, no. maybe not. Someone sent me a tweet saying that Ross Wilson's deliberately sabotaging Steve Cooper to get his mate in as manager. But I was thinking, like, two recruitment chiefs have been sacked before Steve Cooper was. So it's a bold move to deliberately ruin a transfer window. But we haven't seen where we end up yet. I mean, Mikey... Do you accept that we're behind other teams in pre- terms of preparation when you see Arsenal, Chelsea, Brighton, Brentford, Fulham, I think it was, Villa? They, I've seen some of their pre They're playing sparkling football. And if we are behind them, is that a big worry for you? Or, or are you saying, like, like Temps, we get one result and it's all forgotten? Yeah, Temps is right. For beat Sheffield United, I'll be the happiest person in the world coming on here saying, ah, it's fine. <laughs> Nothing to worry about. I think um, looking at that uh, America tournament, was it in America? Um, yeah, they look streets ahead. Some of the football that was played in that in that particular tournament was breathtaking, some of it, to be honest with you. And then if you consider that we've got to go up against them in a matter of weeks, it is quite scary. However, I will temper that in saying if you look at the bottom half of the um, of the Premier League, some of their squad um, development, some of the results they're getting. I won't say they're just as bad as ours, but they're not far off. So, you know, is it realistic for us to to expect to play football like Brighton and Villa anyway? I'm, I'm not too sure it is. But then again, I look at teams that we are really going to be competing against and it does give me reason for hope. You know, Matt, you mentioned at the start around the letter that the Wolves chairman dished out, which I read last night, which is unbelievable. Um, and, and there's some of the other teams as well that are panicking, some of their fan bases. And I did have a look at most squads and I'm thinking Forrest are better than them. Forrest are just as good as them. Forrest can definitely beat them at home. So it does give you heart. So I guess it's don't try and pay too much attention to all those teams that we really want to be like in two or three years team and just focus on the ones that we've got to be. So I'm not overly concerned yet. Uh, as Temps was saying, there is time to beef up the squad. And let's be honest. If we're getting a goalkeeper or two, a left-back, Sangari midfield, maybe another striker and keep Brennan, then we're absolutely laughing and we'll be completely fine. Yeah, and we preached, I made this part before, we preached quality over quantity and you don't get the quality without the patience. It's a dream scenario. Like I think Villa are the only team that's done it to get the players they wanted, like Torres and Diaby. And they stumped up a lot of money to do it. So we're not top of the food chain and I think we're going to, going to have to wait and the thing about the only thing i want to say about that summer series is that's kind of a commercial tour to america to entertain the crowds it's not a go there and be rigid and be organized tour so i think teams are always going to try and play that expansive football so i'm not 
massively reading too much into it, but I do accept and agree we're not where we wanted to be. And I think, like Temp says, the club internally is going to recognise we've not had a good pre-season. But I don't think it's determinative of how we're going to do at the start, especially as we've got rough fixtures anyway. I don't think it changes anything massively for me. Um, I wanted to talk in the final 10 minutes about ticket prices and shirt sponsors. Um, there's been a hike in ticket prices. Greg, obviously, Forza do so much work. I don't know if you're speaking for them or just yourself. What's your take on uh, increasing ticket prices for supporters through the through the turnstiles? Uh, it's a tough one to take, especially especially with the way things are in the world at the minute. You know, and uh, we're very very lucky to have a Premier League football club in our city. So of course you're going to get rises in shirts, tickets, the lot. I mean. You can't get a kid's kit now, full kit, for less than 100 quid, I don't think. Uh, so there's a lot of things in football that are wrong. But whilst Forrester having to compete with financial fair play and or everything down that line, these things are going to happen. So unless something comes in like the away ticket in price, where it was capped at £30, which hasn't damaged any Premier League club because... Their main income is through, you know, uh, revenue through TV and sponsorships and things like that. Until they're told not to charge as much as they are, uh, and Forrester nowhere near the worst. It's just we've come to expect a fairer price. I think that that's what it is. Uh, until there's like legislation in place, it's it's not going to change. But I mean, I'm lucky that my season tickets have been like three hundred and eighty-five pounds for someone who's now a uh, whatever it's called, a gold home member or something, they've had to pay £95 for for their membership and then it's 42 to £52 for a ticket. If they went to every game which they're eligible to do and guaranteed a ticket, I think it works out at over £1,000 um, a season and that's not, that's not right, that's not fair in any situation. So I really do hope that it, it changes soon but I also do have sympathy with the club that They've got to get every single bit of income they can to to deal with the the financial restraints. But it was still a, a li- it was a, still a little bit of a tough one to take, uh, especially because I've got friends and you know even family myself that aren't going to go to as many games as uh, they thought they were going to go to this season. There, yeah, that was what I was going to ask you, Mike. Obviously, you're a season ticket holder, and you know you're comfortably well off enough to be able to afford your ticket and Lindsay's ticket. I know, but. There's obviously there's other fans who might now say, actually, I can't afford a season ticket anymore. And it's a bit idealistic, maybe. But that is a shame, isn't it? Especially the younger fans. I think that the rise for is it under 23s this year is quite big. Um, what's your take on it? Yeah, I, th- I think Greg summarised it really well, actually. It is, it is disappointing. Part of me thinks that that is kind of the world that we're living in at the moment. And we're, we're, in, a, um, we're in arguably the best league in the world trying to compete against the best teams in the world. Uh, you know, and we've spent 40, 45 minutes talking about getting transfers in, which are going to cost millions and millions of pounds. Well, that that needs to be funded somehow. However, <laughs> when when you look at the specifics, how much of, of, of those things are funded by a small increase it, to, to all of us um, going through the turnstiles? I think, I think I worked it out something like, two and a half million quid extra they'll make something like that i'm sure people a lot smarter than me will correct me if i'm wrong um i think the main issue for me is probably on the sponsorship and and i'd be really interested to hear temp's thoughts on this is you know this could be the second season in a row where we've had 
start of the season with no front shirt sponsor. And we know that brings in millions and millions of pounds. So me personally, I'd be more receptive to a price increase to me, my wife, um, my, my family, my little nephew who tries to come when he can, he's going to struggle this season. If I knew that all those bigger ticket items were being taken care of, and yet when it filters down to us fans, the decision's then been made, actually, we, we still need to increase prices for all those reasons I said, but we are doing the big things as well. I think personally, I'd be more okay with it. At the moment, it feels a bit like we are uh, chasing the penny and missing the pound. Do you know what I mean? Just feels a bit, a bit weird for me. I don't know what you think, Thames, because you're obviously a lot closer commercially to some of this stuff. So I'd be interested, interested in your view. Well, look, Premier League shirts are easily sold inventory, but you've got to be prepared to deal with the right sector, which is gambling this season. One last hurrah before that becomes outlawed. Forest have a, a challenge in so much as that their owner uh, values that at a higher price point to what the, the market is telling them it's, it's worth. Um, from the you know, albeit stolen whispers that I hear, the offers are around six to eight and the valuation is nine to ten and they've stubbornly refused to do that. I think from a PR perspective, Mikey's bang on the money. If Forest are passing on incremental price rises to the supporters when there's an opportunity to garner six to eight million pounds from a, a, a gambling partner, um, it would land a lot easier. The problem is that previous owners and previous managers have failed at Forest, have not got them out of the championship. And therefore, this incremental rise, which is going to clobber fans in the pocket, hasn't been phased in any way. In a stable sports club, that would be 3 to 5% every year consistently to cover costs, take supporters on a journey, um, have success in and around those price rises and demonstrate on the pitch while that incremental cash is important. The PR challenge is, is they've been immediately clobbered with um, rises in the 20, 30, 40% region for various products at the club, and that's never going to land well with fans. However, from an ownership perspective, the, the club is being subsidised. Like Maranakis is not making money from this football club. It's a, it's a passion project, albeit one that he may well have an exit from uh, one day, and make a few quid on the way out. But right now, he's funding losses. He's funding acquisitions. He's trying to find ways to inject finance into the club in line with the, the, the eyeballs that come from FFP and the challenges that that's created for other long-established Premier League clubs. So it's a tough conundrum. What would I do if I was doing my role at that club? I'd have advised for a more phased rise in prices to get somewhere towards par with the rest of the Premier League. I dare say that that may have well been what's happened with the, the officers at the club, but ultimately the decisions are taken by an owner-operator who is putting millions and millions of pounds into the club. And he knows, sadly, that whatever is charged, the City Ground's going to be full for every league game this year, as it was last season. doesn't sit well with the fans. However, again, all will be forgiven if there's success. And success this year is improvement in the Premier League. And that's the lens through which the owner, the manager and the players have to be judged. I'd have taken the gambling cash on the front of the shirt. I'd have had a more phased increase of, of prices over a longer period of time. Oh, you've answered my follow-up with your last sentence there. If, uh, if, so if it's you, 
not necessarily that Trent Bridge, but Michael Temple, commercial director, as you do, not Nottingham Forest, you would take and offer a, a reduced rate or redu- below your valuation of the shirt then? Because it's a bad look to go into a second Premier League season without a sponsor on the front of the shirt. It doesn't doesn't look particularly great. You would, Or would you even go back to the UN and do that very noble gesture that was so good last season? Every club gets the sponsors that it deserves because they're out there in the market knowing now what they're going to earn from particular pieces of inventory. So all of these firms know what they make from a board on the 22-metre line at Twickenham, a board on the halfway line at Wembley and the front of the Forest shirt. So their valuations are no longer grounded by grabbing a number from the air. There's firms out there that will value the media that you put into the market. We're very lucky at Trent Bridge. Um, John Pye been on the front of our shirts for 10 years now, and they're, they're committed for at least another five. Forests have had a different strategy. They've had shorter-term deals, and they've looked to, to grow that um, yield incrementally as, as, as time has gone on. So you're telling yourself that the offer is below your valuation, but the market, the intelligence tools, the brands, the rival clubs – they all have the sponsor that they deserve. And Forrest's best offer in this market is the sponsor that they deserve. They've chosen to, to turn it down. That's, that's fine. That's, that's what an owner-operator can do. But, yeah, if I was doing my job over there, I'd be advocating for taking the cash. Uh, I'm supposed to be starting my actual job about two minutes ago, so we'll have to wrap up soon. I'll throw a, I- a couple of quick ones back at you. Go on, go on Greg. You yeah, it's just one more thing on the ticket prices. Uh, You saw Newcastle, I think Spurs and one other. Um, And their supporters' trust, I mean, you can take this however, but their supporters' trust got straight on at them. And things have actually changed due to pressure of a recognised supporters' trust. And I do feel like our trust as a whole isn't putting that pressure on the club. And I have been told many times it's not their job and it's not... But other trusts are doing it. Now, they are an electable... Uh, group. So I, all I say is if there is anyone out there who thinks they can do a better job as our current trust, you can go through the elections and try and do it. Because I do feel like with a really strong trust uh, who have meetings with the clubs, they help steer them in other directions, which has been proven at other Premier League clubs. So I, I think as fans, that's a really, a really good way of getting things sorted as a more favourable way for us, really. So I do think if this is going to continue, having a really strong trust is going to be important. Uh, I'll just throw it to Emily. She hasn't said anything on this yesterday. Um, Temps mentioned gambling sponsorship. I don't know if you want to comment, if you'd be comfortable on that or any general ticketing comments. Or yeah, so I'm in a really difficult position with my job. But all I'd say is something that Temps said, um, the games are selling out. So Forest have no incentive to have a phased incremental increase because they, they are making the money. I, I had a quick look before we came on at the Sheffield United game. It's sold out. Mm. Of course, of course it will do. And I suspect all our home games will sell out. And as we know from friends and family that can't get to all the games, you're very lucky to be able to secure a ticket last season. And I'm sure it will be the case this season. Um, I'm disappointed there's no sponsor on the shirt. Um, it's a little bit embarrassing, to be honest, isn't it? But the powers that be have decided that they haven't found the right fit yet. Hopefully we'll, we'll get one soon just because we look just looks a bit naff, doesn't it? Mm. Are either of you chaps on the bottom of my screen bothered about gambling sponsorship at all? I'd prefer not to see it. 
I think mm. personally, Even I at the expense it, of no sponsor. Yeah, because personally, I mean, I have the odd bet, but I know people, and I've met people through football who have really struggled, and you know, getting that week in week out, it comes hand in hand with, you know, football. You wouldn't have a cigarette sponsor on there. You're not allowed, and it's being phased out for for the exact reason that it's been proven to, you know, cause certain people quite damage. So. For me, I'd rather go with no sponsor than than have a gambling sponsor, even though I'm a hypocrite because I'll have the odd bet every week. <laughs> yeah, as will I, as will I. Um, I think for me, Matt, um, just, just, just to add to that, sorry, mate, um, I, um, I'm against it too. I, I wouldn't like a, a, a gambling on the front for the reasons that Greg said. However, there will be companies that aren't gambling companies that would have offered slightly less. So let's take one of them rather than have nothing. And then this conversation takes a different spin, doesn't it? You don't have to take the highest bid regardless of what company it is. You can go a bit lower if your ethics or your morals dictate that. True. Right, uh, running out of time. I'm going to get in trouble at work. Any other business temps? Anything you want to add about anything? Uh, no, I won't I won't come back at Greg. I think you've made a few notes. <laughs> I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll tell you what, I don't think I'll ever do this again. I'll throw an egg at Emily because I do think Chef United are going to be 12, 15 points a drink. But that's... Um, <laughs> No, I'm here for that. She's go. got plenty of ammunition for the end of the season if, if they stay up now. Well, Emily, like, what, you'll find now is, what you'll find now is we'll probably all have made wildly inaccurate um, predictions and come the end of season review, we'll all be throwing eggs at each other. Exactly. We do, I, I, yeah. I, I take the eggs. Bring it on. Our predictions every year are terrible. Apart, Well, they're not bad with Forest, but the other teams, when you look back, they're almost always terrible because we don't know anything about them, really. You go too um, safe. <laughs> yeah, that's our problem. <laughs> we're not we're not maverick enough like you. <laughs> Any other business, Greg? No, nothing from. Oh, I've got me uh, Austria Salzburg scarf behind me. Right. Uh, an absolutely amazing football team that were uh, they had their club stolen off them by a, a company that I won't name, and uh, <laughs> they've now been drawn against them in the Austri- the next round of the Austrian Cup, which is going to be an absolutely incredible. Uh, experience. So, if you like your your true raw football, get behind Austria Salzburg. That's what I'll say. Go and have a look at them. Have a look at the history and check them out. Yeah, I noticed that it's not pinned down by a certain energy drink, is it? At the end there. So. No, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Emily, any other business? Not at all. No, no. Good. You're helping me get to work pretty much on time here, Mikey. Any other business? I've got loads. Now I'm joking. Just <laughs> um, <laughs> j- j- just one thing. Um, Greg, drink responsibly tonight, my friend. Don't want to wake up to messages from Laura at four in the morning. Don't know, I still yes. don't know whether I'm going to drink. I've, I've <laughs> mate from New York's over. He's given me his uh, Smithfield N- NYC shirt to wear. So, uh, yeah, I, might, I haven't drank for over a month because of this reputation I seem to have uh, developed. <laughs> Untrue. So I might have one. There's no better place to have it than Germany. Best place. Yeah, we'll see. There's a photo of you on Twitter. You're looking very lean, though. This month's off the drink. Well, it's done you good this month. Must be the angles. Half (laughs) the money used to be. (laughs) (laughs) Right, last thing. I I did a whole FPL podcast the other day and didn't plug our FPL league. I said afterwards to Mark, I'm so bad at being a salesman for this podcast. The FPL code is uh, 31, lowercase, 
PWRD or click on the link on our pin tweet. And I also am so bad at saying if you like this podcast, do like and subscribe. Give us a good review on iTunes. It really helps. And uh, oh, we were top, top of that Spotify table for Forest. That was good. And Forest is the fifth most listened to Premier League club on Spotify podcast. Shows how, you know, engaged and how big the fan base is. So for us to be top uh, means a lot. So thanks for your ongoing support. Right, uh, we better go. Greg, thank you very much. No, good to be on with you all. It's a rare occasion, isn't it? It's a good one. It is, it is. Emily, thank you very much. Thank you. Temps, thank you. Cheers, everyone. See you soon. Mikey. Cheers, guys. Lovely to see you all again. Yeah, very good, very good. Mikey's done well not to keep his mic on and echo throughout this whole podcast, so that was good of him. Uh, we shall be back uh, later in the week with one more pre-season thing with a former player if it comes off, so I won't say because it never does if I say. But otherwise, have a good few days. Uh, look forward to the start of the season. Don't panic about pre-season. And we shall see you soon. <laughs>